Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Uh, but I'm glad you're here today. Uh, we, we've got a, a few things we're going to talk about. But I'm going to start with a really easy, soft starting question to get our minds uh, churning. And um, the question I have for us today, it kind of leads into a whole lot of other things, is uh, why does God allow evil in the world? Nice, easy question to start our morning. Hope you've had a coffee. Um, now, it's, it's a good question, and it's a question that I get asked quite a lot. A lot of young people are like, well, I see bad things. I see you talk about an all-powerful Heavenly Father who's good, and yet you talk about evil in the world. So how, how do we reconcile that? Well, I'm not going to try and answer it entirely, but I think it leads into uh, what I want to talk today about. In uh, 1986, some of you might recognize this. Does anyone know what that is? A new shed, yes, a uh, new hall that's going in there. No, um, in 1986, there was a horrific accident in Chernobyl, and there was a nuclear meltdown in reactor number four, and uh, the colossal failure of that nuclear site, and uh, radiation went everywhere. Uh, like literally everywhere. And so for years, engineers from all over the world flew in to try and work out how do they stop this radiation leaking? And how do they come to terms with this massive, horrific disaster? And I want to I link that to this concept of sin and rebellion and evil in the world because it's not a simple question. One of the, one of the big dangers in life is that we try to give complex questions simple answers, and we often miss so much. Sin is complex in that it's a rebellion, it's an attitude, it's walking away from God. But like radiation in this nuclear meltdown, it goes literally everywhere. So radiation, radioac- radioactive um, snowflakes, like everything was radia- radioactive. I'll get my words right today. Um, the wind, the air carried radiation that to evacuate lots, colossal loss of life and injury uh, for years to come. And you know that it doesn't actually, they can't actually fix, they can't actually fix this horrific disaster. That radiation is going to take 20,000 years before it reaches levels that people can start to enter into that space. 20,000 years. So the, the, the current plan facilities, to, that's filled with concrete. They put this big shelter over it, filled it with concrete. We're just going to like cap it. We're just going to like try and stop the radiation from getting out. We're just going to limit the fallout. And uh, it's kind of like the law. The law that was given was, was to limit the effects of sin. So God gave a law that helped protect. It didn't deal with sin entirely. It limited the effects of sin so that people wouldn't become contaminated and uh, damaged and, and corrupted as much by it. But this shelter, they're expecting that probably in 30 years it's probably going to need to be redone because the radiation is leaking through. Uh, it's getting leaks in the water, the cracks, uh, the steelwork. It's a, it's a problem that is colossal in its scale. And uh, like, like sin, the law doesn't fix it, only Jesus does. And, but uh, this is such a big topic, I'm not going to try and give you a nice simple answer to it. But I think it's really, really important because like radiation, undealt with sin will ultimately kill. And there's two realities of this, there's both a short-term and a long-term effect. The long-term effect of sin is death. We will eventually die, and we, we, will, we all know that we will eventually die. And, uh, 
and um, that's not, not good. And the short-term effect of sin is actually we removed out of joy, uh, God's joy, his love, his peace, his patience, his goodness, who he is now. So we can miss out on that by letting the effects of sin run rampant in our lives. And uh, Jesus uses images of a garden we read just before to help us address and understand how God addresses this contamination with sin that is running and ruining our lives. And uh, so we're going to look at John 15 verse 1. And uh, I'll read it. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Now, one thing I noticed is that there's no third option. Like, where's option C? There's a lot of cutting that's going on. There's cutting branches off or trimming. The other way is just trimming. And um, I kind of get that to a degree, because if you've been past our house, we've got a colossal hedge. And um, it's a hedge that gets out of control. And so I, I have a tool that I use to trim my hedge. It's called a chainsaw. And, and so our hedge comes in two shapes. It's, it's overgrown and taking over our garden and a lawn, or it's back to stumps. And uh, they kind of don't really have an in-between, but that's because I really don't care about the hedge. I just don't care. I'm a really, really bad gardener. I don't care about the hedge. Uh, but God is a really, really good God, and so he prunes back the things. He, tr- he prunes back the sin in our lives so he can promote healthy growth. He cares, and he's a good God, and that's why he prunes. And uh, so we're going to look at this concept, what is pruning? Like, it's a very sort of um, abstract concept of pruning. Uh, repentance is this process of pruning in our lives. Repentance, this process of repenting is, is key Repenting is key in dealing with the long-term effects of sin. And when we repent and we come to faith and we say, Jesus, save me of my sin, um, he, he does that past, present, and future. And so that means that we don't need to continually confess our sins for salvation. It's a, it's, we're saved by faith alone, by grace alone. So it's a one-term, one-time, beautiful, dealt-with-long-term sin. But then there's the short-term sin. And the short-term sin, it runs prolific in our lives. And there's a process called sanctification, which is of God washing and cleansing us. And that's something we do need to have an active repentance operating in our lives. That's God pruning back the things in our lives that are toxic. And uh, it, pruning back is really good. If, if you've got a tick on your skin, you want to get it out. That's kind to your skin and your body. Uh, you want to f- things that are unhealthy and toxic in your life. You want them to be removed from your life. And uh, so that's what pruning is. And it's more than just saying sorry. It's more than, you know, repentance isn't just, oh, I'm bad that I, I feel bad that I got caught. You know, that's like me during primary school. I, like, I didn't really feel like I, I was really sorry. I thought I'd get caught for something. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Sorry of the consequences. That's not repentance. Sorry of the fallout. That's not repentance. Repentance is, is a, a bigger concept and there's so much more in it. It's more than just feeling shame or guilt or it's more than just emotions. See, in, in the Bible, we've got two people who betrayed Jesus. We, we, we talk a lot about Judas and Judas sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Uh, but then we've got another guy who betrayed Jesus and that's Peter. Peter was one of his closest friends and denied him and betrayed that trust and, and sense of longing. But both of them betrayed, but one of them had repentance, one of them had guilt. 
And, and Judas's guilt led him to um, not a nice ending. He hung himself. And, but but Peter's, Peter's repentance came back and restored relationship with Jesus. And admittedly, Jesus actually approached him and, and extracted that out of him. But the point is, is that there's this beautiful difference between feeling guilty for the bad things we do and repenting and, and choosing a lifestyle and a pattern of repentance of saying, God, I, I've stuffed up. Because that doesn't devalue you. Your, your value and your worth is set because you are created by, son, by, by, by God. He created you. He loves you. So your value doesn't change, which means I, I can stuff up and that's okay. I can make mistakes. I'm not going to try and make mistakes, but when I do, it doesn't change who I am. My identity is set. Oh, are you guys with me? It's a whole lot of, ugh, but I can't go into repentance without going into sin because what are you repenting from? It's like it's, it's a colossally large concept to try and get through. But there's the long-term effect that's dealt with in Jesus. But the short-term, the short-term is that God wants us to be freed from the entanglement in sin. Uh, Hebrews 12.1, it's, it's beautiful, talks about this entanglement of sin that is so easily, it's always there. It's kind of easy to get wrapped up in. And uh, it's something that God wants us to be freed from because he wants us to have freedom. See, the thing that we don't talk about in sin is like we just think of all the fun things being sin. It's like, well, it's not really like that. It's like radiation. I wouldn't let my two, oh my, well, he's now five, five-year-old boy. <laughs> Where did that happen? Uh, I wouldn't let my five-year-old boy play in the sands in Chernobyl. You know, like it's, that's not going to be good. He might feel like it's nice, warm and fuzzy. You're like, hey, this, this sand's glowing. How cool is this, Dad? Yeah, no, put it down, son. It's not good. Um, but that's sin, and that's how we engage with sin. We're like, oh, these things that God doesn't want us to play with is actually, it's a really good idea to put away the sand, the glowing radioactive sand, and walk away, and uh, to play with what God wants us to play with. And so this, this is the attitude that I believe God is wanting us to have towards sin. And uh, it's a really, really good thing to have a lifestyle of pruning. Allow God to do the pruning. And the key is that he does the pruning. I, I can try to be a better person. And my wife's been seeing that for a while. He's like, oh, I try to be a better person. But I, I'm not a particularly good person. Like, I'm not good at trying to change myself. I can't change myself. But uh, God can. And that's that picture of the vine when we're connected to him. We remain in him. He does the pruning. He does the change. And, and that is beautiful. See, repentance is actually a gift. I don't know if you ever thought about it like that. Repentance is this gift that we have to, to cut off the sin that is corrupting our conscience, that is corrupting our minds. Repentance is this way that we, we step in, and God has given us beautiful gift of repentance to do that. It's so important, in fact, that it includes in the Lord's Prayer, when the disciples ask Jesus, you know, how do we pray? Jesus is like, well, this is how you pray. And he includes this bit, forgive us the wrongs we have done as we forgive the wrongs that have been done to us. Forgiveness is key. And so we need to have a lifestyle of repentance for God, between us and God, but also to each other. And that's hard too. I, I'm not, if I'm honest, I'm, I don't like saying sorry. And if you know me closely, that's a, that's a hard one to get that out of me, you know. Um, I like to think because I'm always right, but that's not really the case. It's, it's my pride. And, and so apologizing and saying sorry actually is a beautiful gift of returned intimacy and relationship. See, often we, I'll hurt people, not intentionally maybe, 
I uh, hope not. Um, but sometimes I hurt people, and but this repentance is this reconnection that happens through it, and it's a beautiful gift. So I want to encourage us as a church, hey, let's, let's go out and repent. And it's like, oh, that's not a huge selling point, Sam. You need to sell it a lot better. Well, it's the truth. It's the gospel. It's, it's repentance is part of, of a lifestyle that we're called to. And it's not self-flagellation. So back in a um, couple of hundred years ago, it became this thing in the Roman Empire, uh, sorry, the Roman Catholic Church, that they used to whip themselves with whips, you know, bad Sam, bad Sam, bad Sam. You see, that doesn't actually achieve anything because it's, it's, it's not repenting. That's just feeling guilty. Repenting is actually turning, I'm skipping ahead, it's turning from something, but it's also turning to something. So it's replacing. When you're just trying to beat yourself up, it doesn't fix the sin that's rampant. Jesus is the answer, not beating Sam up, not trying to make Sam feel lower. That doesn't fix anything. It's when you replace the sin in my life with a real intimacy with him. And repentance is key. Uh, we cannot be uh, an effective disciple unless we have a continual habit of re- repentance. And here's a kicker. Uh, pride prevents progress. So if there's one thing, it's in, in good Baptist preaching style, there's three Ps. Pride prevents progress. God is wanting to grow fruit in your life. He's wanting to develop. He, was, he, he doesn't want you to stay the way you are. He's wanting to stretch you. But pride stops that. Pride is the enemy of discipleship. Pride is what will, will keep you in bed and not, not engage with God's word on a daily way. Pride is, is the thing that is speaking to our ear that's contrary to the gospel message. Uh, the danger with pride, I like to think of pride as like a sniper in a camo suit, in a ghillie suit, um, and he, you can't see it. But it's picking you off, and it's like it's hurting. It's, um, I mean, the Vietnam War, in the Viet Cong, uh, we're hiding in tunnels underground. They're hiding in trees, and the Americans couldn't actually find them. They, had, they didn't have an enemy to fight. Uh, if they had an enemy to fight, they would have won. But the Vietnamese, the Viet Cong, knew that, and so they hid and played a different tactic. That's what pride does in our lives. It hides and masks all the things that God is wanting to do and change in your life. Pride says, I don't need God. Pride says, I don't need the vine. Pride said, I can do this life without God. That's pride. And in some ways, um, pride is the greatest enemy you'll ever face. And I'll say that because pride is what kicked uh, Satan out of heaven. He wants to be like God. Pride is what Adam Eve will listen to. It was her. She wanted to know and to have knowledge of God and to be in that space to know good and evil. And, and Satan used that. He twisted and distorted God's truth. But ultimately, it was pride that drove them away from God. And so in, in our lives, I, I want to acknowledge that the pride is the enemy that is the hardest to see and the most deceitful and the one that will corrupt us the most because it masks all the other things that God is wanting to do in our lives. So you were made to flourish, and pride is going to be uh, that thing that will stop you from flourishing And here's the thing, yourself will desperately try and not repent. Like repentance is the thing that kills pride. It just puts it down. It's it's like it'll deal with it. But our self, our selfish self, my human state, desperately doesn't want to repent. And I start to justify, I found, maybe you're like me, I'm really good at justifying why I don't need to say sorry or apologise. I'm like, well, there are 90% part of the problem. I was like 10%, so I shouldn't say sorry. 
I have that attitude, and it's in my mind. Uh, but pride is the thing that says, hey, Sam, I'm not, I don't care what, what they are doing. I want to address the attitudes in your life, in your heart. What is it that I'm wanting to cut out of your life and prune back on, on the loving gardener? What is the attitudes that you're holding right now that are not good, that are actually toxic, that are corrupting you? Let's deal with that. Let's deal with that. So if you find yourself trying to justify why repentance shouldn't happen, that's your pride. And so I encourage you, you need to fight that. You need to fight that. So turning, sorry, repentance is not just turning away, but turning to. Uh, the word repent in Greek, I'm not going to have a go at saying it. I, I mess up all pronunciations in Greek. And, um, but basically it means it's turning direction, but turning towards another Thing or another, another way of living. And uh, we can't just fix ourselves. We need Jesus. And that's why it's just such a beautiful gift. Repentance is a gift because we, we, we turn to Jesus. We have someone who can actually help us. Uh, repentance is foundational to our fight against pride. It is a process of pruning that God enables his fruit to grow in our lives. Um, I'm catching up here. Here we go. Uh, fruit um, so it's a daily attitude. It's not beating ourselves up. It's recognizing our broken humanity and ultimately our need for Jesus. Pride says, I don't need God. And uh, pride said, there is no sin. Pride says, oh, your sins are okay. It's like minor stuff. And um, it's, it's easy to see the big sins in our lives. You know, if I run over a little old lady, that's really bad. It's obvious. But there's a pride of... Um, of greed or of not being content or there's so many things that God is actually saying, hey, that, that's actually really significant. You might think it's not, but it's actually corrupting your family. It's corrupting your way of thinking and I want to deal with that. Um, so what does repentance look like? Good question, Sam. Uh, three things. Uh, repentance looks like this. It's being honest to God. And um, I have lost my slides. There we go. What does... Ah! There we go. All right, me and technology, not good. Uh, what does repentance look like? It looks like honesty. It's having that honest conversation and saying, God, you know, I, I, I need you. It's being honest about a human condition. It's not pretending that we're better than we're not. It's, it's being honest and saying, hey, you know, I need you. And that's not... That doesn't devalue. That's an honest assessment of our human broken condition. Um, God, I've stuffed up. God, I need you. Uh, God, would you forgive me? And it's actually going to others. And it's being honest with others. You know, would you forgive me? And would, would, would you acknowledge that? And would you um, help me to do better? But uh, it is honesty. You can't, we can't change anything unless we're honest. And I love the um, AA, Alcoholic Anonymous. Alcoholic Anonymous, uh, you might not have heard a bit about them, but they are one of the most transformational um, groups in the, ever, ever recorded, really. Their success rates are incredible. And one of the ingredients of their success is their opening statement. The opening statement of Alcoholic Anonymous when you go to the meeting, haven't been, but so I hear, um, is that um, they say, Hi, uh, my name is Sam and I'm an alcoholic. And that is powerful. Do you know why it's powerful? Because it's honest. It's owning your position. It's owning your condition. It's confronting pride. It's not trying to pretend. It's like, oh, I might you know, have a little bit too much alcohol or I might be dealing with it, you know, but it's like going okay. That's kind of what my human self would be justifying. 
But Alcoholic Anonymous is like, no, you need to own it. And in, in a, repentance is owning our sin and recognizing that there's a better way, recognizing that God is calling us to so much more, to so much more. Uh, there's evil in the world, and God's gift of repentance is God's plan of removing it, of removing it from my heart. God, if God was to remove all the evil in the world, he would have to take me out of it because I, I struggle. I, I, I have sin in my life. That is there, and the sin has gone everywhere. It's like Chernobyl, it goes everywhere. And so God deals with it, firstly, by prov- providing a plan, his son Jesus, to save us and to change us. But then there's a process of cleansing us, which is radical and is beautiful. You know, in Chernobyl, they say that they, are, they actually don't think it will ever be cleaned. The radioactive half-life is, is slightly dropping, but it's just going to take so long. They don't actually think it will ever go away. And uh, so that's the, that's the reality. If we try to do this life without Jesus, that's going to be our condition. It just won't work. We can't do it, only God can. And the second thing is active. Be active listening. Uh, God, show me the sin that is hiding in my heart. This is, this is hard. This, is, this means stopping and, and asking God, God, what is it that maybe I don't even recognize as a problem? Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's something that is, uh, is good that I'm not doing. It's, it's disobedience. It's not obeying God. Maybe God has said, hey, he's given the opportunity for you to be generous and bless your next door neighbor, and you're not. What is it that, that God is prompting you to that you're rebelling and disobeying? And uh, let's, let's action it. Let's listen and actively. And uh, there's, there's a saying that... Uh, not a saying, I read um, on Google, so it must be true, uh, that 3% of amputations are of the wrong limb. So um, when, when I was on a, on a construction site, one of the things they always said was measure, measure twice, cut once. Um, maybe they didn't teach that in um, surgeon school, I don't know. Um, but the reality is, is that that's a, that's a horrific mistake and they get the wrong limb. And I'm sure there's it's not all doctors. Doctors are amazing. We love our doctors. Uh, but there's a reality is that sometimes we identify the wrong thing. And sometimes God is like, Sam, there's this area in your life that I want to work on. And I'm, my pride's like, no, no, I'm good. I'm sorted. It's okay. And God's like, hey, I want to produce fruit in your life. I want to grow and develop you. But pride is just stopping it. And so there's this honest, active listening and allowing God to do the change. Allow him to do it. And I'll, I'll, go, I'll go there today. Um, it's a little bit... Um, yeah, no, anyway. Um, so in, in our culture right now, there's a big debate ranging with sexuality and um, desires. And, and what I want to say in this space, because I think it's really, really important, really, really relevant, is that God is wanting to change our, all of our sexual desires. All, everyone. And to be, bring it back into alignment with him. And so all of us, I believe, as we come before him, allow him to change our hearts and minds into what he wants. Because he knows what's good for us. He knows what's best for us. And when we trust him as our Lord and King, we trust him with our desires and say, God, would you take these desires and would you make them clean? Would, they, would you bless this area of my life? And I think that that is a beautiful thing for us as we start to hand over our desires to God and allow him to flourish and to bless us in and through that. But it takes steps. One of the things that we, I struggle with is I'll hear a good message 
Like Louis Giglio is one of my favorite. I'm like, yes, love him. And, and, and I'll go away and I'll be like, two minutes later, I'll like, oh, that was a really good point, but I've forgotten and haven't implemented it. The problem is we often hear a lot of really good things and we don't action it. The challenge for us as a church is that we repent, but we action it, we follow through. And as if God is nudging your, he, he does that to me, he like pokes me in the heart. I'm like, oh, I really need to do something about that. Would we be an obedient church and respond to that need? Would we respond as he is prompting us? And uh, we are called to be productive and not just pleasant people. I like that, you know. We're not called to just be pleasant. We're called to be productive. We're actually called to, to grow. Um, John 1.3, I kind of skipped that before, uh, but I'll go there. Uh, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown to the fire and burned. Remaining in God, it is, it is key and repentance is key to keeping the intimacy with him and allowing him to prune and change and grow and disciple us. Addictions are just a fallout of a broken intimacy. Our addictions, the things that we turn to, are basically our intimacy issues with God. And if we fix our intimacy issues with God first, our addictions, they lose their desires, they lose their appeal, they lose their power. And but first, as a church, we would be wise, I would be wise, to spend less time trying to prune myself and more time allowing God and responding to him and repenting uh, of a life that is without him and put my pride down as a daily thing. Uh, Luke 3, verse 8, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I love this verse. It's, it's through repentance that we actually produce fruit and it allows God to prune the unhealthy and to cultivate us to a place of health. And repentance is this path of fruitfulness. All right. I went too far. My bad. I've started a song, have I? Um, So verse 8, this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Now I want to introduce it as I close. Everyone's listening for those words, as I close. It's a favorite word. Everyone takes hold. Um, But as I close, there's there's a guy called... Um, I was going to say King Julian from Madagascar, but no, it's Emperor Julian. Now, Emperor Julian, he's not a meerkat. Emperor Julian actually uh, ruled the Roman Empire for a massive two years. And um, it's 360, I'll get the date, 361 to 363. And Emperor Julian, you won't, might not hear a bit about him because he's kind of a, meh. Um, but he, he hated Christians. He, he hated Christians. He is passionately against uh, Christianity. And he called them the Galileans. And um, the, his problem with them was he was concerned that the Galileans, the Christians, would take over the Roman Empire. And his, and his problem with was this. It was how they were doing it. See, the, the Christians at the time were uh, feeding the poor. They were hung, they're helping the hungry. They were investing in social enterprise. The people were selling their homes and giving to them as they had need, and they were seeing that in a very, really relevant way. In, in that time, the Roman Empire was quite barbaric, and you've got this group of Christians just loving excessively. There was this fruit that was flowing out of the intimacy with God that was blessing the world. And Emperor Julian, he hated it. He's like, I don't, you know, what? 
And so he, he developed a plan. But before we get his plan, I'll, I'll read his words. He, he, he said, I believe that we ought really and truly to practice every one of these virtues, for it is disgraceful that the impious Galileans support not only own, their own poor, but others. And he goes on to list all these wonderful things the church is doing. And he's saying, if they can do it, I can do it. So what did he do? His plan was this. He got together his officials and uh, the pagan group, and they're like, oh, if they can do this, let's model it and do the same, because we, we want to counter this movement of people coming to know Jesus. And so they, they, they tried. They got together um, these groups, and they started um, planning for these home, homeless shelters, and food banks kind of concepts, and um, it, it utterly failed because no one could give a rip. No one cared. His officials are like, I don't care. Why should I care? And, and see, the, 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 the difference is, is that when people are connected to the vine, they're grafted into him, God's love and joy and his peace and his passions flow through you and change the world. And it changed, left, left a legacy of change. See, King Emperor Julian, um, he, he tried to outlove God. God is love. How do you do that? I don't know. Good luck. Uh, but he tried. But the fruit of intimacy, uh, the fruit of intimacy is, is, is love, and that flows through it. The world can't produce its own, but repentance is the thing that will keep us connected, keep us in a place of intimacy. See, when you have an intimacy with God, all the other things fade away. All the other things are trivial. Awesome. And so for me, my, my challenge for myself is I need to repent of not repenting, um, but I want to have a habit, a daily life of asking and seeking God to actually highlight the areas he wants to change. I'm going to close because I've said too much. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the gift of repentance. Thank you so much for this gift that, that prunes us back, that allows fruit to flourish, Lord. Would your people, would your church, Lord, embody this idea and uh, Lord, would we take hold of uh, a, a daily intimate pathway with you, Lord? Would we make time for you? Would we make that a priority? Would we invest in the thing that only really truly matters, and that's with you? Would we make that key and central in our lives, Lord? And would we respond to your Spirit's leading? Even if it's hard, particularly when it's hard, Lord, would we be obedient? And would we say no to our pride? And would we step into the challenge to do the deep work of allowing your spirit to mold and forge us into your likeness. So Lord, we pray for this. We pray a blessing over everyone here today. Lord, would your words sow truth and life into our hearts and would we be challenged in Jesus' name. Amen.